0: With Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn
1: more at meta.com slash Impact.
0: The volume. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? we got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on any matchup. So right now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In New York, call 877 8 ny or text ny 467 369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800Gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash (laughs) terms. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Here's the deal. Talking a little Purdy, talking a little Dak. Rodgers talked to McAfee, said some stuff about Jordan Love. The Jets, somehow we're going back to Zach Wilson. Dave Tepper, rumors are, based on the Athletic article, that internally it's like the Hunger Games, so we, we will discuss the craziness there. Uh... The NFL, man, there's always, there's always, you know, the good teams are rolling and the bad teams are always doing crazy shit. So uh, we'll dive into it all. We'll also do a little mailbag at John Middlecoff, Instagram, fire in those DMs, easy to get on the show. We obviously did a long mailbag on Tuesday show, and uh, I think we've had podcasts. We, I had one Saturday night reacting to the games, the college football game. We, we've had a lot of content. So YouTube page, all the content's up there if you like the video aspect of it. Go to the YouTube page, subscribe to that. Appreciate everyone that has. Obviously, if you're listening to this on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to Three and Out feed. That has all of our content, no matter what, always on it, so you don't miss anything. We're in a great time. I was looking at the schedule today. Pretty terrible Thursday night game, but I'll watch it and I'll react. But next week, we got three NFL games on Saturday. So uh, that's always you know a like little gap between when college football has the break, in the NFL just really kind of flexes their muscles and puts games on basically every day of the week. Uh, so that starts three games next Saturday. Uh, not this upcoming Saturday, but a week, a week from, uh, if you're listening to this, I guess on Thursday, basically like 10 days away. So that's exciting. Other than that, I think we will, uh, we got some, I got I got volume merch. So if you want to go to the volume.com, we have three and out hats, flex fit hats. I'm actually wearing one right now. Go, uh, go cop yourself one of those. I need to tell you about some friends of mine. And they happen to be an app. And I need you to go to your smartphone, to your iPad, and download that app. Because it's the holiday season, and you gotta get presents. I gotta get presents. I got a mom, I got a brother, I got nephews, I got sister in law, I got girlfriend, I got her family. What do you do? I, I don't know. It's tough, right? Not when you have game time. Download the game time app and buy any pair of tickets to sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, and use the promo code JOHN for $20 off. Promo code JOHN, $20 off. Saves you $20. So you're telling me that you can get a family member, a loved one, you know, someone who works for you, someone you work with, a partner, someone you're trying to woo as a potential client, some tickets to an event and save $20? Can't beat it. Download the Game Time app, promo code John, holiday season, it's the season of giving, and save some money while you're at it. Game Time, promo code John. One thing I've always thought was pretty stupid ever since I started talking for a living are people that can't admit when when they're wrong. And I understand having an opinion, and that's the business I'm in, and sticking with it. But eventually, you get some information that you can no longer keep saying that and be taken seriously. Like, you, you can't—listen, I'm not the biggest LeBron guy, but if you're saying LeBron sucks in 2023, like, I can't take anything that comes out of your mouth seriously. Right? And it happens a lot with football, with players. People hate guys and people love guys coming into the league. And you stick with that opinion for far too long when the information is out there. Just because you didn't like the guy as a draft pick, well, three or four years later, if the guy's been in a couple pro bowlers, you got to take the L. Just admit it and move on. I have a lot of opinions on coaches. I've been right on some and I've been wrong on some, right? If Brandon Staley would have turned out to be Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, I would look like an idiot. Because I was crushing that guy a couple games in to his career. Now, I've been proven right. But I have other ones like I've been as critical as anyone on Steve Sarkeesian. I always thought he was one of the most overrated coaches in the country. Well, if he goes on to win the national championship, like I'll, I'll have nothing to say. I'll have to take the L on that one. Like, he'll forever be the guy that resurrected the University of Texas and won a fucking national championship. Now, he's got the best team buddy can buy. And his roster is loaded. His conference kind of sucks. But he beats Washington. I'm going to have to shut my mouth, right? I just am. Now, I'm going to bet heavily against them, but I'm a little nervous, not going to lie. And I've seen it forever in scouting, right? You you put a high grade on a player or you put a low grade on a player and then that guy goes the opposite of what you thought. Like in a couple years, you just got to wave, wave the white flag and say, I was wrong and figure out why you were wrong. And maybe sometimes you're dealing with human beings, you can't control it, right? Sometimes that guy, there was something deep inside of him that you underestimated. And I think so many people, when it comes to Brock Purdy, just never, not, they weren't even thinking of the guy. He was just completely irrelevant to them. And when players are completely irrelevant, it's easy to have a take. Like I think Anthony Richardson's going to be a big-time player. I think C.J. Stroud was overrated. Everyone has opinions on the top picks. Let's face it, most of the guys drafting the 5th, 6th, 7th rounders, you just assume that guy's not going to be good, Spe- specifically at the quarterback position. You go, oh, this guy can't be good. 7th round pick? Look at the history of the league. Seventh-round picks are never any good. Who's the best seventh-round quarterback of all time? It's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was like, you know, a high-level journeyman. Those guys don't go on to be franchise-level quarterbacks. If you watch Brock Purdy play, there is no disputing that he's really good. Now, should he be the MVP of the league? I don't know. I, I look around the MVP landscape and go, not great candidates this year. Most of the quote-unquote star players, like Mahomes doesn't have an MVP season relative to his past right? Josh Allen, his team's playing kind of shitty, not all his fault, but some of their big losses, he's played a big role in that, throwing some key picks, right? Lamar Jackson has kind of hit the skids a little bit relative to his numbers earlier in the season. So yeah, I understand why he's in the mix. Listen, if Dak Prescott beats the Eagles and then they got some tough games against like uh, the Bills, they play the Dolphins, like the Cowboys schedule is pretty hard. If he keeps balling, And then they go on to win a couple playoff games and all of a sudden they're in the NFC championship game. I'll be the first to admit, never thought he could have done it. I've been one of the most critical guys on Dak Prescott, not because I didn't think he was a good player, not because I didn't love what he brought to the table from an intangible standpoint. I said, I don't know if he's good enough once you start paying him 40 plus million dollars a year. Well, if he's going to play like the way he's been playing this year, he's definitely good enough. Now we're going to judge him in the playoffs and if he beats either the Eagles or the 49ers, I'll be the first to take the L. But I see it over and over and over. So many people struggle to be like, change your opinion. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter if you're wrong. Hell, even in the scouting world, people are so, you know, it takes them so long to go, yeah, I I was wrong on this guy. And I think Belichick forever, and it's easy to kind of kick him when he was down, was easily the best GM at this. Because most general managers never want to go, yeah, screw this pick up, man. This guy can't play dead in the Western. This guy stinks. And a lot of times when you draft a guy in the first couple rounds, you hold on to him for when he's not good enough for a year too long. You play him too much, and it hinders your team instead of just pivoting. Belichick was always the best during the Brady era of just trading a guy, cutting a guy, just moving on uh, a year early instead of just keep playing a guy that can't play. And I think we do this a lot in this medium that's talking about football. I think fans struggle with it. It's okay to just go, yeah, never saw this coming. He's way better than we thought. And I think people forget, and I was talking to someone about it today, is early on, and happens a lot with later round picks, right? Because, like I said, everyone has an opinion on a a top drafted guy, right? Everyone had an opinion on Baker Mayfield or Johnny Manziel or Anthony Richardson or whoever. Because we've watched them play. They get drafted high. There's just a lot of talk. When you get drafted in the seventh round, like, have you ever watched the draft? It's hard to stay locked in in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. On television, they start like going to the zoo. They start screwing around. The the broadcast doesn't even focus anymore. And listen, when I went to practice Brock Purdy's rookie year, I didn't know that much about him. I mean, I knew he played a big role on Iowa State, helped Matt Campbell become a name that was, you know, USC, Ohio State, Michigan. Like a lot of teams were sniffing around Matt Campbell, but not in a million years. Little guy from Iowa State, like I would have bet against him without even knowing that much. As we sit here today, I go, fuck, I don't know where the Niners would be without him. Does that mean he's the best player on the team? I don't know. They have one of the best left tackles of all time. They have one of the most versatile running backs of all time. They have the best linebacker in the league. But guess what? Most great quarterbacks that have a lot of team success play on really good teams with a lot of other really good players. Like when Peyton Manning went to Denver, guess what? They had a lot of dudes. DeMarcus Ware, Vaughn Miller. Ever heard of them? <laughs> Those guys are pretty good. Benefited from having a really good defense, right? So some players, like Joe Montana, last I checked, played with a lot of Hall of Famers. So just because like you have good players around you, I think we love diminishing that. Like, oh, he's just... Steph Curry is one of the best players we've ever seen. He literally played on a team that was arguably the best starting lineup of all time with Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson in his prime, and Andre Iguodala. Like, I mean, what do you think he just would have been as sweet as he was and would have been as important to the league if he had played with me, you, and two other guys? Of course not. Most great players need other really good players. Michael Jordan Jordan benefited from, I don't know, playing for Phil Jackson having Scottie Pippen right next to him. And Dennis Rodman and B.J. Armstrong and Ron Harper. Like, you can't do this by yourself. This isn't golf. This isn't just like Tiger Woods out there in his prime just kicking everyone's ass. You need help. Peyton Manning had a lot of help even in Indianapolis, right? And let's face it, sometimes they were limited on defense, and that was a problem why they couldn't get over the hump. Their defense wasn't good enough. So this notion of people just unwilling to admit, whenever I see people, oh, Purdy's overrated. He's pretty fucking good. Now, who are we comparing him to? Are we comparing him like Dan Marino, Joe Montana, and Patrick Mahomes? Well, yeah, that's unfair. But just in a vacuum, if you're watching them this year, and you can't just go, God, that guy's pretty good. Dakota Prescott has been a guy that I've always, I don't know, I don't really see it. I, I like I, I think he's a solid player, but when they start paying him forty million dollars a year, I'm like, I don't know. Well, if Dak goes on to he easily could win the MVP, right? He beats the Eagles, then he plays the Bills and the Dolphins, you know, throws for 35, 37 touchdowns. The the they win the division, they're a one or two seed. He goes and wins a couple of playoff games. I'll be the first to admit, never saw that coming. I would have bet against it. And I have, because that's always been my take. Like he's not good enough. I was saying the same thing about Kirk Cousins. And I'm watching Kirk Cousins slice and dice the Niners. Kevin O'Connell's like, this is the best football he's ever played. I'm like, fuck, I never thought he would be this good. He, he really became it. And I think so often people just struggle with like, just say what you see. And when you see some guy playing well, just playing well. Right? I thought Jalen Hurts was an NFL running back. And then last year you're watching him play you're like, "God damn, this guy's pretty good. Right, so this notion of people unwilling to change their opinions—whether you work in the league, whether you do this for a living—is just so stupid to me. Like, it's, some things are pretty obvious. Brock Purdy's a good player. Dak Prescott's a good player. Do they benefit from playing with other good players and being on well-run organizations? Of course. Like most great players that have success with their team, don't play for shitty organizations, right? Don't play for shitty coaches. That's not the way it works, especially in the sport of football. You need a good coach and you need talent around you. And usually you need, unless you're Peyton Manning and like can literally call the plays, need a good play caller. So Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott, odds on favorite right now to win the MVP. And I think it's safe to say that one of those two guys might win the MVP, right? I would say they're probably one of those two guys is going to win the MVP. Now, is Brock Purdy the greatest MVP of all time or Dak Prescott? Like, I don't know, but on this given year, it's really not that crazy. And if you just watch the two of them play right now, you have to go, yeah, they're really freaking good. And isn't that the point of all this? Like, can you watch a guy? Is he good or is he not? <laughs> right? I mean, how many guys have we watched that we want to be good? And you're like, God, I do not see it. This is not happening. And that that is definitely not the case with Brock Brody. With Dak, I mean, he's been in the league a long time. He's just kind of putting it all together, which some guys, now Dak had a good season a couple years ago, but then he shit the bed back-to-back years in the playoffs. So th- there's going to be a lot of pressure on him in the playoffs, but I'll be the first to admit, like, he goes and plays well this weekend and keeps rattling off wins against really good teams. Like, he's a really deserving candidate, and I would have to eat crow, especially if he, like, took the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. i like, yeah, that contract they gave him was worth every penny. Aaron Rodgers said something that I thought was pretty interesting, that we're too quick to shit on guys and uh, too quick to anoint them, speaking of Jordan Love, and basically told McAfee that, you know, he holds no bitterness and, you know, obviously he wishes things would have played out differently in green Bay, which I think, I mean, he played a big role in that. And he admitted that like he, he wishes things he could have done differently, but then he roots for these guys and listen, it's some people are able to live in this like vengeful, uh, have hold a lot of animosity toward other people forever. And, you know, I think, I, heard, I think Colin said this once upon a time that holding a grudge is like chain-smoking hate. Some, some people can pull it off right? and be really successful. Portnoy is a good example. He, he, he just He's very spiteful, and it fuels them, and, and it works. For me, whenever I do that, it just creates—I don't like the way I feel. Uh, I think it makes me counterproductive. So I, I've really, in my, in my latter years, in my 30s, tried to be much more of a positive person when things in my past haven't worked out for whatever reason— and it served me well. And I do take Aaron at face value when he says, like, yeah, I'm rooting for these guys, specifically Jordan Love. Now, my pushback would be we're too quick to crush guys and annoy guys. The general manager of the Green Bay Packers, Brian Gutekens, was the guy that went on record several weeks ago that said these last 10 games for Jordan Love will determine his status for the team. Because that's a fact, right? When you When you're a coach, when you're a GM... You evaluate every game. And when you have a guy like him who is contracts and years matter, right? They have him on a two-year, $11 million deal. So if he would have sucked like he did early in the season all year long, they would have been in position to draft a guy, and he wouldn't be their quarterback any long. Just like Brian Gutekind said, these next 10 games are going to go a lot to determine his future. Well, he's playing well. They're winning games. He will continue to be their quarterback now, and they're not going to draft a quarterback anymore. He changed the narrative. But internally in that building, whether it's Lafleur, whether it's Gutekinds, whether it's everyone with the Packers, they're constantly evaluating you. And they're trying to figure out, are you not good enough? Or are we just anointing you as our starter moving forward? That's the job. That's part of the deal. Now, putting guys on pedestals like, listen, this is back to the Purdy thing. Anyone acting like Purdy is like destined to go to the Hall of Fame or going to be an all-time great quarterback, we got a long way to go. Like, I mean, anyone doing that is an idiot. But anyone that can't say, like, Jordan Love these last three weeks looks freaking awesome. Brock Purdy in 2023 has been mostly a badass. Right, I, I, I can't help you. And there were moments with Jordan Love where it was rocky. And now looking back, you go, kind of understandable. Played, you know, hadn't played at all despite being an older guy and has figured it out. The other thing that's, you know, very eye-opening is... And I guess we knew this when he was drafted, but the physical skills—he's got a big arm, he can move. His accuracy is a little hit and miss, hit or miss. But I can live with average accuracy if you're a big-time playmaker. That's always what Josh Allen had. Josh Allen was never going to be Drew Brees, Steve Young. That wasn't Peyton Manning. That wasn't—he's not going to be some pinpoint guy. But he's going to make so many freaking plays it won't matter, and he'll overcome that. Now I'm not acting like Jordan Love is about to become Josh Allen. But if you can become a big playmaker, like he has become these last you know three weeks, then he can carve out a niche as a really good starting quarterback. I don't know if he'd ever be, best case scenario, a top five guy, but you sure as hell can be a top 12 guy. And if you're a top 12 guy, I can build a playoff roster around you. And in the NFL, if I'm going to the playoffs every year, listen, even if we don't, quote unquote, ever make a Super Bowl run or ever win a Super Bowl, who cares? If I'm just winning 10, 11 games and being good on a yearly basis, that's all that matters. And I think the Packers are definitely in an intriguing spot now to be kind of that level team. And then just how good the guy can become. Because one thing we've learned people forget, people thought Tom Brady was not that good relative to Peyton Manning in like 02, 03, 04. And that's when he was winning Super Bowls. A lot of people said very similar things that they're saying about Purdy. Not comparing Brock Purdy to Tom Brady, the player. But sometimes when you win, people want to, oh, it's the team, it's the roster, it's this. We did it with Russell Wilson. Right? I was Legion of Boom and everything. And obviously, he didn't have to do as much for some of those teams. But then when he started getting big money, the team started winning less, but he started becoming a great player. So there are always going to be a lot of variables with these guys. But right now, the Packers have a two-year, $11 million contract with a guy that looks like you can go to the playoffs with. And you get two years to evaluate it. And that's an awesome position to be in. Especially if you like the guy. He's coachable. He understands your offense. He fits what you're trying to do. That's all you can ask for. And I would say if they make the playoffs this year, you would fucking be ecstatic. I mean, it'd be one... I simply bet against the Packers this year based on the law of averages. It's like, who goes from Favre to Rodgers to just another top 15 quarterback? That never happens. I think the only one I could ever find was the 49ers. Went from Joe Montana to Steve Young to Garcia, who... Was never going to go to a Hall of Fame, but made several Pro Bowls, was really good, and they go to the playoffs with him. If Jordan Love becomes their Jeff Garcia, it's truly one of the great draft picks of all time. I mean, it really is. And based on these last three years, I don't know why, or last three games, I don't know why he couldn't. Now, we'll see how this plays out. I think they play the Giants this week, but you got to give them a lot of credit. Things change, right? I mean, three or four years ago, Uber was a dog shit company. They were losing money. They were, you know... Martin scandal, it was a disaster. Now as we sit here in 2023, because of the lockdowns, Uber Eats started thriving. Now their driver business makes money. Company's crushing. Things change. Sometimes they take a while to change, sometimes they take a month to change. And my job is just evaluate it and talk about it as it changes. I'm never stuck on an opinion. I thought Jordan Love stunk. Now I think he's pretty good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll evaluate him game by game cuz that's all we got to go off of. That's what Brian Gutekins is doing. That's that's what Matt Lafleur's doing. That's what Packer fans are doing. It's exciting, right? I mean, I the, the reason 49er fans are so quick to defend their guy is because they're watching. They go, "This guy's pretty good." What, what what are we talking about? Like he's making eight hundred thousand dollars. Hell, if he was playing like this, making thirty five, we'd feel thirty million. We'd feel good about it. But he's making eight hundred thousand dollars. He's on pace to throw thirty touchdowns and be the starting quarterback on a team that wins thirteen or fourteen games, and everyone's taking a shit on him. Because you thought he sucked two years ago? That just seems like a you problem. So yeah, this quarterback stuff, man, it's just, it gets everyone in a tizzy. Because everyone is just so, it's just, they struggle so much to just change their opinion. I, I, I never understand that. I just, I have nothing in common with that. I'll change my opinion tomorrow, yesterday. We're talking football players. They're constantly changing. Some are getting worse. Some are getting better. Some uh, are going through struggles. You just evaluate what you see. When I worked as a scout, what did we do? We just evaluated the games. No broadcaster, all 22. You put in some AirPods, listen to some music, listen to the radio, and you just fucking evaluated players. It was very emotionless. It's like, good or bad? Is it getting worse or are you getting better? Give the guy a grade. (laughs) That's the business. And it's pretty easy to see when a guy's playing well or a guy's playing not. It's like the Jets. I've been saying this over and over. Everyone, when the story broke about... Diana Rossini said that Zach Wilson didn't want to come back. It was so easy to go after Zach Wilson. And, like, I'm done having opinions on Zach Wilson, the person, the player. To me, this whole thing revolves around the Jets. It's easy to be like, oh, this guy has to play. It's his job. And listen, of course, if they want you to be the starter, you got to be the starter. They're paying you $9 million. To me, this is more about the musical chairs now for two straight years of getting in this situation. This is a reflection of the general manager. This is a reflection of the coach. And one thing I've heard over and over from people in the loop is it's not easy to work for Woody Johnson. He's got have a lot of opinions. He always wants to talk to the GM. He gives ideas. David Tepper is doing something similar right now. So when I see Zach Wilson playing, I go, I bet the owner wanted to see him. And honestly, if the owner did, I'd probably side with him. Like, we're just going to suck with Tim Boyle? What's the point of that? We're paying this guy $9 million. Even if he does suck... Let's just put him on the field. We're not winning games as it is. It's not like the guy you're bringing up off the scrap heap looks any good. What's the fucking point of playing him? Maybe we catch lightning in a bottle. And he looks kind of good. And maybe we can offload him this offseason. I don't know. But there's no point from a value standpoint to play anybody but Zach Wilson. Zero. Just like the New York Giants sticking with Tommy DeVito. In what world you're so out of it. You're not sniffing the playoffs. Your team stinks. Would you go back to Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor is someone you play when you are trying to win a game because your starting quarterback is injured and you're trying to keep your season alive. Your season's over. It's dead. So if you told me that John Mara looked at Brian Dable on the coaching staff and said, listen, even when Tyrod's better, play DeVito the rest of the season. Let's see what we got. Why wouldn't you? I talked to a scout that went through Illinois. Do you know what he told me? He's like, Tommy DeVito's not bad. Because one thing we've seen with Illinois is not much change on their offense beside him. And they are dramatically shittier on offense. No one's acting like DeVito is the next Brock Purdy. But maybe he's not terrible. And maybe he could be your backup the next couple years. So why would you not play him? Coaches are always, and this is a, a great part about the NFL, is the tanking. Everyone's always trying to win no matter what. No one's ever trying to throw a game. Maybe the last game of the season. Hell, the Miami Dolphins owner offered Brian Flores all that cash every game to lose, and he refused. So coaches are very prideful, rightfully so. Players definitely are, but that's the right move. Play Tommy DeVito. Play Zach Wilson. How's this even a you know even a question mark? Now Zach Wilson, I guess one thing I would defend him. Like you're just fucking with me nonstop. Like you bench me, you bring me back. You did it last year, which some a lot of that was self inflicted. I acted like an idiot, but this year, from all reports, is like he's been much more mature. It's one thing to go last year to Mike White. Mike White's a real backup. It's another thing to bring Tim fucking Boyle. I mean, is Tim Boyle starting in the XFL or the UFL or the European League or whoever the hell's some seven on seven league? No. So to do that, I understand Zach Wilson. Like, you guys, you guys can't stand me anymore. So now you're gonna throw me back in there? Now, part of it is it's easy to say. Be a professional. We hear that all the time with pro athletes. Think about your own job, right? We obviously most of us don't make, you know, nine million dollars a year. So something that comes with the money is like, you got to take the shit, but it's how often do you get angry at a boss, at a coworker, at an employee and it's like, God, I I just got to, I got to, I got to act like a pro here, but you you don't want to for whatever reason. Someone pisses you off. Someone screws you in business. You know, an employee just won't listen to you. A partner is being shitty and you're like, it's so easy to be like, be professional, be professional. Like we're all human beings. We all get to a breaking point. We we all, you know, are biased in our own world and think we're getting screwed. So I I understand if if it is true that he he was hesitant to go. Now he's ultimately starting. Maybe they talked him into it. I know Aaron Rodgers shit on the report, but regardless, like it's much more of a reflection of this Jets turmoil to me than it is Zach Wilson. We learned who Zach Wilson was last year. Not very good. We, we knew that the Jets were completely over Zach Wilson. But because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers situation fell into his lap, they're like, oh, let's just keep him because they're kind of buddies. And we've we've seen this year what we saw last year. If you play him, you'll lose games. Like, that's a fact, Jack. So once you start going back and forth with all these no-name quarterbacks, just put yourself in his situation. Maybe You're like, God, this this sucks. Now, ultimately, he did the right thing. That's all that matters. But I, I could understand him on Monday like, oh, we're really doing this again. We're playing this musical chairs. It would suck. I mean, he's a human being. One story I saw today, The Athletic wrote this piece on the Carolina Panthers. And one thing in the NFL in general, when things get really, really ugly, because there's so much money in the line, right? I mean, you're talking uh, position coaches are making five to eight hundred thousand dollars, coordinators making one to three. Obviously, head coaches making a ton. GMs that it's hard to get a GM job. Everyone starts pointing fingers. Everyone starts blaming people and everyone tries to curry favor with the owner because ultimately they're in charge of hiring and firing everybody. And the story basically, the headline was, the Carolina Panthers is essentially the Hunger Games of the NFL, which uh, even if you didn't watch the Hunger Games in the movie theater, you would have seen it on television over the years because I swear to God, TNT played it like every other day. Even though I was thinking about this on YouTube TV, like when I had Comcast or whatever, you're listening to this, if you just have you know the cable and you haven't cut the cords yet, you would just stumble onto a lot of movies. You'd be like, oh, Con Air, Ah, oh, The Rock, oh, Hunger Games, you know, Shawshank. With YouTube TV, you don't really stumble upon anything. Like, I, I, it basically just feeds me through the algorithm. It knows I watch games. It knows I watch the Golf Channel. And it knows I watch CNBC. Like, I, I don't watch random channels anymore where I used to stumble on a lot of those with cable television. So I do wonder if the movie scene, and maybe that'll change with like Netflix and stuff, but even you don't go to Netflix often or Amazon prime or Apple plus or HBO max and just watch a random movie from like your childhood, right where you would on cable. That it just, it's always struck me like that's something that's going to die over time The you know, the just, I've watched Shawshank parts of it 700 times. I've watched Goodfellas or casino or the Godfather just bits and pieces of it over the years, you know, 75 times. I just don't know if that's going to happen anymore, but back to David Tepper and the hunger games that Tepper part of this article is that he would give ideas, you know, he'd have coordinate people on the staff. One thing, because like he's taking this business mindset, right? uh, Of all these different strategies, bring people into your building with different ideas, have a specific onboarding practice, Try to hire people that think differently than you. It's very techy. It's very financy. It's very just the private sector. Yet in football, if you look at like Andy Reid staff, who's just rattling off Super Bowls, look at some of his key guys: Matt Nagy, known him for 15 years; Brett Veach, known him for 20; Spagnola, coach for him 20 years ago. Right? <laughs> I mean, Tom Melvin, been on the staff forever. His offensive line coach, been there the whole time. Dave Tobe, the special teams coach, entire time. So (laughs) Dave Tepper wanted Frank to hire all these coaches he didn't know instead of just letting him, I don't know, hire a staff. And there's a difference of just hiring people you know and just hiring good people. Like obviously the Andes, the Harbaugh's, like they know a lot of people, but they're good. And clearly Frank was forced because the only way he was getting a job is to listen to everything David Tepper was telling him to do to hire a bunch of guys he didn't know. And all these guys have no loyalty to him. And they have completely stabbed him in the back even if Frank sucks. But part of this story is they're constantly texting the owner like his footwork's falling apart. And the GM doing this too. The GM constantly doing this to Tepper. And then Tepper would tell Frank that he needs to work on Bryce Young's footwork. And I, I'm all I completely understand big picture stuff like I said with the Jets. If I was Woody Johnson put Zach Wilson back in the fucking game, Robert. He's starting this week. If I'm John Mara I don't want to see Tyrod Taylor just play Tommy DeVito. People around Jersey, people around the Meadowlands, enjoy it. It's the only positive thing we have going for us. Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets starts. Completely understand that level of meddling when my team stinks. I don't understand talking about specifically like, hey, work on his arm mechanics. Work on his footwork in the pocket. Dave Tepper knows nothing about footwork in the pocket. Hell, Most scouts and coaches don't know it that well. The hardest thing to coach in America is the quarterback, right? So once he's getting involved like that, they're destined to be screwed. And I do wonder, how are they going to get a coach to come into this organization? How are they going to get someone to come into a place where clearly the owner is kind of has some Dan Snyder qualities and has unlimited money? So yeah, I mean... Ultimately, it's the NFL. There are only so many jobs. And if he pays you $30, $40 million and you're making a million dollars as a coordinator, who's turning that down? But you know you're kind of selling your soul. Like you know within two years you could be, you know, shit out of luck. It it could be over. And I just wonder, like these stories, I I was talking to a buddy today, like how many stories, because I've taken a lot of people in like Giants Twitter were like, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never been to a training camp you the journalism put your uh, like i'm not a journalist i'm not a fucking media member i'm just telling you what i know and i and i know it to be fact the giants have issues <laughs> yeah i'm not a training camp <laughs> it's fucking 2023 it, it, it's called uh text messages phone calls dms and knowing a lot of people in the national football league i don't i'm not just saying it to say it i don't even care <laughs> it doesn't matter to me i can give two shits about the giants i'm just telling you they got issues <laughs> they got problems i'm not just making that out of thin air But how often do you hear these stories of like a lot of issues up there, a lot of issues internally, and then it turns out it was all false? In my time around the NFL, now I got it hired in 2010, and it's 13 years later, I'm still around it, talking about it, do this for a living. I don't remember one story that broke from a Glazer, from a Schefter, just, I mean, from people that know people in the NFL about animosity. About weird shit going on. Like Dave Tepper. I saw it with Harbaugh. I've seen it with the Raiders. Like some red flag internally. And it not turned out to be true. I'm not saying word for word. Every specific thing being reported is true. But usually where there's smoke. There's fire in the NFL. And one thing that has always covered that up. Is winning. So when you win. It doesn't mean you don't have internal problems. I saw it when I first got out of the NFL. And started working in radio. With the Harbaugh 49ers. They were having success. And they were a disaster internally. You're going to the NFC Championship. You're winning 12 games. You're sending half your roster to the Pro Bowl. No one, you just, everyone keeps their mouth shut. The moment you start losing a couple games, the moment you're not playing in January, shit hits the fan. And the moment you win one game, three games, four games, that's a long season for a lot of angry people. People start talking. People, people start singing, you know, quick. <laughs> people in the NFL like to talk, man. A lot of times, when you work that much and you're stuck in this office and things are going really poorly, you feel like you can't tell anybody. You feel like no one knows what's actually going on. And I would imagine Tepper is like furious, all this stuff's leaking out. But I would say 90% plus of everything you read about the situation is true. Why people want it out. People want you to know what a disaster situation is going on there. And when you get this new owner, when you get a guy with all this money, when you get a guy with all this ego, and rightfully so. If you told me, you know, in 10 years, you're, you know, say or 11 years when I'm 50 years old, you're like, John, you fucking made a hundred million dollars in this podcast thing and this internet thing, uh, making some investments. You've done really well. Do you think my ego, my ego is going to be smaller or bigger? doesn't mean I'm not going to treat people well or what, you know, whatever. But do you think I'm going to have more belief in myself to be successful or less? Right? So if you're a David Tepper and you go, this guy's made... Billions of dollars. When you talk about like the greatest people on Wall Street of all time, it's like a short list. His name comes up. You're talking like the Buffets, Charlie Mungers, RIP. It's pretty quick for David Tepper to be, to Steve Cohen, to be discussed. So you, you don't think this guy, even though he doesn't know anything about plays, footwork and this shit, doesn't believe he knows how to make it successful. Even if he's wrong, you're crazy. That's not how these guys think. That's what I've said forever about Belichick. If you think Belichick, at 71 years old, is going to go quietly when he's been making $20 million for a decade, when he's fucking rattled off six Super Bowls, when even if Brady was a bigger reason than him, he's the reason Brady was there. He's the guy that made Brady the starter. He's the guy that built great defenses around Brady. He's the guy that hired all these coaches. You're fucking on drugs. Like, his ego right now, even in even in a rough time, and right now it's never been uglier, if you don't think Belichick deep down believes he knows what he's doing, you're out of your mind. It's just, And if you don't think Dave Tepper believes he has good ideas how to make this work, you're crazy. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to, and it's clearly not. Same thing with Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder got that team early. He made a bunch of money. Dude was, had a private jet by the time he was like 30 years old. So sometimes when you get the money really quick, you just get this inflated sense of like, I know everything. Even if you don't. And that's the hardest thing. Like the finance world, the marketing world, the internet world has nothing to do with a football team. Nothing. It's why so often, like there was a story about Kevin Warren, the former Big Ten commissioner who's now the Bears president. Like he's trying to like stronghold his way into power where he gets to run that organization. You know why he's doing that? Because even if he was the president and he dealt with sweet sales, he built the Bears a new stadium. He helped make the owners an extra billion dollars. He, he became one of the great NFL businessmen cash cows in league history. Let's just use that hypothetical. He wouldn't get a hundredth of the credit if he was the lead guy to hiring a coach that won them Super Bowl. In football, you get all the credit for the football team. It doesn't have, matter how much your team is making. It doesn't matter how sweet your stadium is. None of that shit matters. It's why so many business people want to be in charge and run the football operation. It's why so many owners want to get the credit when the team starts winning. And it's difficult. And it's it's why most teams don't win. And David Tepper, to me, feels farther away when you read these stories. Because, again, like I said, when this stuff comes out, it comes out for a reason. I fucking always believe it's true. Because you know why? It, I would say 95%, it, it always has a ton of validity. I, it feels like they are farther away now however many years after he bought the team than he was when he first purchased the team for two point four billion or whatever he paid. And that sucks if you're a Panthers fan. That, that that sucks if you're like, God, what are we doing here? Like how is this gonna get any better? And the news the, the reality is it's just not. Not until he realizes just cut the checks, take a step back, enjoy your fucking life, and let your GM and let your coach cook. You gotta be willing to go through some hard times. Cause if you're not, it's gonna suck. And you're going to consistently lose. And you're just going to be a miserable rich guy. And that's what Dan Snyder was forever. That's what David Tepper is shaping up to be. Because this is not like some retirement gig where you just like pay for the team and then just chill if you want to be involved. Because if you're going to be involved, then it's not going to go well. It's a miserable business to be in. Losing in football sucks. And there's not much you can do about it. And their team lacks talent. Uh, If the quarterback's wrong, the other thing you're going to have to do, he's like adamant, like "This this quarterback, this quarterback. What if the quarterback's not the guy? In a couple years, you're going to have to pivot. And you're going to have to be willing to pivot. Because it's pretty clear, like, the one game they started Andy Dalton this year, they were much better on offense. Like, Andy Dalton right now is a better player than Bryce Young. Now, I also understand playing Andy Dalton any snaps is a waste of time. you got to play the kid. But clearly, this guy is completely overwhelmed. He's getting worse. So you could argue maybe it's not crazy. Just, like, take a deep breath. And maybe they should have sat him for a couple more games or in the season, But they didn't. Because the owner never would let him. He's too involved. Like, what's the point in paying your coach... To make those decisions because the rumors were that they wanted to sit them down and the owner just doesn't want to listen so i don't know man i uh i feel bad for you panzer fans
2: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80
1: Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well... Okay, let's dive into a little thing called the Middlecoff mailbag. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the page. The way you get in the mailbag, easy slide in to my DMs. Add John Middlecoff, DMs wide open, get your question answered here on the show. We will start with Andrew. John, will you and Colin please break down the elite podium quarterbacks? This is in regards. This guy sent me a clip of uh, Purdy with his hat backwards. Obviously, I was making fun of Colin on Sunday night after Purdy shredded the Eagles hat backwards. Listen, you know, I, I'm bald. i bald. I, I don't follow the hair rules. I can wear a hat any way I want. Now, I did grow up in a home where I, I would say the hat backwards. Like I, I couldn't just rock a backwards hat to school. right? I, I didn't want to say I grew up in the military, but we had some pretty you know, some rules that had to be followed. And that was one definitely. Now, I'm not saying that once I got to school, I didn't throw that bad boy on backwards. But I didn't grow up in a house where you could just wear whatever. So I, I, I don't think he's crazy for the big picture. Like, if you're going to a job interview, would you wear a backwards hat? I also think going to these podiums, I've been to enough of these press conferences. I think they're kind of dumb, right? I mean, during the week, I mean, most of these guys are wearing sweats, like legitimately come in sweat, socks and sandals. I, I don't put that much value into it. In, in 2023, maybe it used to meant more, but to me, it's more. I always judge more on like what what do you actually do, more than what you say. I I, I personally have always hated optics. I think it's like so overrated. I think it's very. It's why maybe I don't play the political game well enough. Just in uh, in, in business, I, I could be better at that. I'm just a big actions guy. Like, do you produce? Do you get the job done? Uh, if you're in the you know in business, do you make money? Like I grew up in an area where, you know, some of the richest guys I knew were farmers. They wore boots and jeans every day to work. And then when I lived in the Bay Area, like the billionaires wore sweatshirts. So like the day and age of wearing a suit every day, I don't give a shit. It, I, that's just maybe it's where I grew up, not as important. I, I'm more a bottom line guy now. In terms of best press conferences, you know, I always thought Brady was kind of boring. You know, he was part of it was Belichick, the cliches. He just didn't give much. I've, I've been to a couple of Peyton Mannings. He was pretty good. Phillip Rivers was a beauty. I, I think, I said it forever, I, I think Phillip Rivers would be a star on television. I, I really do. Like, I, I think he'd have a chance to be like John Madden. Now, he's got 75 kids. He's coaching high school football. Maybe he's got a different calling. You know, he's not, he doesn't need the money. His ego doesn't need the spotlight. I just truly believe it's a talent. And I think so many people that are just so ego-driven, like Jason Garrett, clearly to me is an egomaniac. Like, why the fuck are you on TV? Now, part of it is they're giving him sweet gigs, so why wouldn't he be? But he's he's terrible, right? At least Tony Romo, I, I think he's a little overrated. Uh, just in terms of a broadcaster, I've always kind of liked the guy. Just could be a little annoying, but at least he's got a lot of energy. You know, Madden's, the Gruden, some of them are, even Aikman, they're just kind of natural. Chris Collinsworth, there's an energy. Uh, I, I think Philip Rivers... Honestly, would be a star. I, I really i I could see Drew Brees failing from a million miles away, and guess what happened? He didn't last. Here's a question for the mailbag: Would you rather have a successful career as a NASCAR driver or a WWE wrestler? Well, I would say both are pretty dangerous, right? We've obviously seen NASCAR drivers die, and we have seen wrestlers die early deaths and struggle in their later years um that's a hell of a question i i would imagine if you're a really good nascar driver you know jeff gordon uh denny hamlin i'm not a huge nascar guy obviously Earnhardt's. you make a lot of money just like if you become a wwe wrestler i I would probably choose wwe wrestler i'm not a big race guy like i i mean i i fall i don't follow nascar and i definitely don't follow f1 have a lot of respect for the adrenaline junky nature of being in a car going that fast. I did like wrestling a lot as a kid. I mean, grew up on Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously The Rock. Those guys were really Goldberg when I was in like uh, you know junior high and high school. They were a really big deal. Uh, Hulk was a superstar. Tropic Thunder. Uh, I, I think I'd go WWE. Just I, I do think it opens more doors to become just a a star. I mean, you've you've seen it forever, and there's something special about. You know it's kind of the best of both worlds, right? You're a big athlete working out, you know performer, you're almost like an actor. uh so i I think I would go I, I would go wWE wrestler. I, I was I mean look at Hulk. I mean, I, I would say Hulk Hogan, one of the most famous individuals in the sporting world of my life like I mean he's pretty big if you just say Hulk Hogan, people know who he is and he was famous well before the internet, right? look at the rock. I mean, uh, The Rock became easily one of the most famous people in the world. And he was just... His career started as a wrestler. His career technically started as a football player, but I would go WWE wrestler for sure. What would you say is the best plan for the Bengals going forward? I personally believe Joe and Jamar are enough offensive superstars for you to win. For that reason, I want to see the Bengals absolutely prioritize getting a top 5 O-line and top 10 defense. I think, you know... I would imagine that's a priority for most teams while keeping our current defensive coordinator. Hell, make him the head coach if you have to. The other big thing is, even though he's a great culture guy and has drafted very well, I do not think Zach Taylor is it for the Bengals. Could you ever see them going for a more established offensive mind like McVay or LaFleur? Well, let's let's take it a step back. I just saw Jake Browning was named the Offensive Player of the Week for the AFC. Yeah, I think they do AFC and NFC because Debo was the NFC, but what a cool moment for Jake Browning. Zach Taylor has to get a lot of credit there. Now he was also calling about seven double passes, one void through right to Josh Allen, but still he he gets a lot of credit for Jake Browning looking good. He he just does. And I I think that you went to a Bowl with the guy and you went toe to toe last year with the chiefs. Now I'm with you. Your defensive coordinator is really, really successful. I think part of it is like, T. Higgins, you can't have multiple wide receivers making huge money. You just can't build your team like that. So I I think you're going to have to part with him, but could you trade him? Now, the problem is he's lost some value and, you know, acquire an offensive lineman, acquire a draft pick to draft an offensive or defensive lineman. So as long as you got a good defensive coordinator and invest in that side of the ball, your defense is going to be good. And to me, the key is then offensive lineman, you got to draft and develop. And then just hit on maybe a sweet running back in the third round. Find a tight end in the fourth round. You're going to have to hit some. That's part of sustaining, right? How the Chiefs sustain. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round pick. You know, you're know, you going to have to replenish that way. So to me, as long as Joe Burrow's healthy, and you have Jamar Chase, and you have you know, Lou Amaruno as your defensive coordinator, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. So I, I would feel pretty good about it. McVeigh and LaFleur. McVeigh makes $20 million a year and lives in Los Angeles. Matt LaFleur is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Cincinnati Bengals, you guys are good and fun. I'm sorry, it's not the Green Bay Packers. Like You don't leave Ohio State to go coach somewhere else in college. You don't leave Alabama to go coach somewhere else in college. You don't leave the Green Bay Packers, if they're good, in the pros. Like Mike Tomlin's not leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers if he's winning. So, not to burst your bubble, but you're not getting those guys what's your advice on finding one's purpose in life or choosing the right career? You know, I can only speak to myself. The reason I went and I basically burned the boats and the only thing I've ever done as revolved around sports is because when I was young and especially early on in college, I realized like I'm not as smart as a lot of people. And I saw buddies that have gone on to build their own businesses and I have one that sold it for a lot of money and he's really successful. The guy was a genius. I'm like, I I saw the capabilities intellectually you had to have. And I realized for me to have success, I had to find what I liked the most, right? And then just figure it out from there. And what I liked the most was sports, specifically football. And I I was able to kind of eat shit for a long time, not make any money, work long hours, which I don't think I could have done the same if I was working at a car dealership or I was working at an insurance company, or I was working at Morgan Stanley. Now, as I've aged, my palate has expanded and other stuff interests me. But when I was young, find what you like the most and just go all in. And I I think that's only my experience, but I've heard enough successful people talk about, like, you got to follow your passion. And if you can monetize your passion, which most of the time you can, and it might be ugly at first. I didn't make any money till I was like 35. Like My girlfriend has been making big cash since like her late 20s. I, I have so many people that I went to college with that were, you know, I graduated in like 07, 08 range when the financial crisis hit. And a lot of those people went into San Francisco in like 09, 10 and started working for those tech, tech companies and were making hundreds of thousands of dollars in their mid 20s up through where we're at now, I mean, made a ton of money. And when you do what you like to do, you don't get envious over other people having more financial success, especially when you have belief that you have room for growth and are going to be able to make money doing what you're doing. But if you don't like what you're doing, at least for me, I'd be miserable. And, you know, I think it really, really helps when you're passionate. Like the reason Andy Reid can work 20 hours a day is he fucking loves football. I mean, he, he loves football. The, the reason Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger could talk finance all day long, they were addicted to it. That, that was their passion. And when your passion is what you do, it's lights out because you can spend so much more time. Like, yeah, I don't get to do, like, there's sometimes I, I gotta not do what I wanna do. I don't get to go on a vacation or go hang out on Sundays or Saturdays. If football stuff's going on. Might have to record well late midnight or 10 o'clock and get up early and do it over again. You don't even think about it. You just do it because it's what you like to do. And when you get to do something instead of you have to do something, when that mindset is, you can just go a lot farther. It's why like the greatest players in sports history, like Tiger Woods loves golf more than anything, besides probably his son and daughter. Michael Jordan loved basketball. Tom Brady was addicted to football. You can't spend that much time doing it over and over and over and over again if you don't really like it. So if you if you don't, you got to find out what you like to do, and that could be you know making food. It, it could be selling cars. It could be anything. And then just go into that industry and, and just do everything humanly possible to figure it out and, and find out how to be valuable in that given industry. When you work in the business that that you're passionate about, it, it gives you an upper hand on the competition. Because the majority of people you're going against aren't going to be truly addicted to what they do. When I say addicted, like, truly have a burning desire. That's why when you meet people with a burning desire for what they do, especially the older you get, most of the time that person's pretty successful. Because it's hard not to be. What's the answer for the Chargers? Is it easy to just hire a new coach? I hate to see the Chargers waste away Herbert. I mean, I don't think they have a choice. (laughs) What else are you going to do? You're not changing Herbert. You're not changing the owner. Uh, I I think there's a decent chance they blow everyone out, coaching staff and the general manager, and just start to scratch. And then the question is, would they pay to get a Belichick and Josh McDaniels and let him hire the general manager? Would they hire a general manager first and then let him hire the coach? Would maybe Dean Spanos' son, John, take over and run it? I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, They they have a lot of question marks because I say historically, it's hard to have a lot of faith that they're going to get it right because they tend to go cheap when it comes to the coach. So I I, I would be nervous if I was a Charger fan. But the, the one positive thing you have going for you is you have the quarterback, and he's under contract, and he's really talented, and he's a really good guy. And then he's, he's got the ability, if you put the right people around him and get him the right coach, you could win. That's all that matters. Hey, John, I'm a Seahawks fan, and you and Colin are talking about how Gino is the problem with our team. A lot of Seahawks fans disagree, and Carroll is the problem. He needs to go. For a defensive coach, he hasn't had a good defense since 17. We've invested the second most money in our defense in the NFL behind the Niners, but our defense is 24th in points allowed. Many other top 15 defenses have even worse rosters than us, such as the Patriots, Panthers, Falcons, Saints, Bears, and Vikings. Our offense has been horrible, not because of our coordinator, but because of Carroll. Our OC is from Washington with Mike Shanahan, and he worked with McVay, so his offense is supposed to be creative, yet the offense that Seattle has is more basic than vanilla ice cream. There have been many stories come out about how Carroll interferes with the game plan and the play calling and how our OCs inherit 70% of his playbook. Our defense is vanilla with no creativity. This guy hates Pete Carroll. The Rams are way better than us with a way worse roster because of coaching. Carroll always seems to get out-coached in every game schematically. You and Coward blame Geno. I don't blame Geno. My, my thing with Geno is he has a ceiling. Like, Geno does not suck. He just has limitations. Even if I gave you Sean McVay, like, you're not winning a playoff game with Geno Smith. Now, would you be better with Sean McVay? Would I take Sean McVay over Pete Carroll? Of course. You can't get Sean McVay. He's not available. Okay, so you fire Pete Carroll, which I don't think... How do you fire Pete Carroll. Especially if you make the play now, if you miss the playoffs this year, maybe you could justify it. But I don't know. I I think you guys are in a spot where, yeah, I I hear you. You know, it's hard when you don't think you have a creative coach. Right? That's. I listen. Tomlin has won more recently than Carroll in the sense of maybe he hasn't. I guess if we look at the records, but I think they're kind of similar. Like, what are you guys really doing? Like, clearly, you guys know what you're doing. Like, you know football, you know how to lead a team, you, you know how to keep the building together, you know how to win games, but, like, what's our ceiling? Where are we going right now? And both those guys feel like they're more 2010 than they are 2025. So you can say, hey, and everyone, the guy just asked, how do you get McVay? You're, no one's getting McVay, right? There there was one offensive coach recently available, and it was Sean Payton, and he cost $90 million. Like, Sean McVay is not available. So I, I, I don't really, I think you're kind of screwed. And I just don't think your team's going to fire the guy. Plus, I think they owe him a lot of money. He makes a ton of cash. He's just going to be your coach. As long as he's your coach, yeah, you're probably screwed. He definitely plays a part in defensive limitations, right? Like you said, they've invested a lot of money. And to me, their defense sucks. Now, it gets back to they, they made a huge trade and they paid Jamal Adams a lot of money. And I know Jamal Adams is making fun of the one reporter's wife. Jamal is is a fantastic downhill tackler. That's all he can do. He can't cover anybody. He plays safety. He doesn't play defensive line. So it's like, "Oh yeah, he makes two TFLs." It's like, "Well, fuck, I pay you to can you cover a tight end? C- can you cover a big wide receiver?" No. Well, I-, I can really shoot the gap in a blitz." It's like, "Your number's 33, not 96." So it's like, "Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I saw that uh I saw he, you know, Pete Carroll basically said like that's unacceptable for Jamal to do that, and Jamal was like, "When they go low, I go lower." I, I do kind of like that quote, you know, going after someone's wife who just basically quoted a tweet which I've done a million times saying "yikes" of a bad play. It's like Jamal, the play was bad. The play was a yikes. <laughs> I, I, I think the problem with Jamal, who I like his playing temperament as a physical player, but like you are paid to play a position that is, you know that has to encapsulate going backwards as much as it does going forwards. And you can't cover a soul. And I think he gets very insecure about that. And also like kind of, he's an edgy, angry guy and he's super rich now because they gave him a huge contract, but God, he's, he's a very limited player. And uh, that's on Pete Carroll. It it really is. How do you feel about Josh Allen being over critiqued in the media this year? I don't even know what that means. I, I think a lot of times we do like reaction to the reaction. Like, you don't have to react to everyone's opinion, right? Like, it, it, listen, if you have an opinion, like Nick Wright thinks Brock Purdy, if he says five weeks ago, he stinks. I understand, like, okay, I disagree. But if he's going to do it every single week, like, you, you have to react to every reaction, right? Like, David Carr said that Jalen Hurts should get bent from Mariota. Like, I, I can't even react to that. Like, I'm not even, I don't even have the energy. The fuck are we talking about, right? There, there are some opinions that are just, you don't always have to react to someone's opinion. Everyone has one. Every single person. I, I You could t- type anyone's name into the internet and get 7 million takes on something. It's like everyone's going to have every angle covered. And like Josh Allen's really good. Every team besides like Patrick Mahomes. And shit, the Eagles take Josh Allen over Jalen Hurts. Like 49ers would t- obviously take... I mean, every team... Josh Allen's one of the most talented quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory. Does he have some flaws? Of course. Does he play bad? Sometimes, sure. Like part of the reason, once you get 40, 45, 50 million dollars when you have a bad game, people critique you. It's the NFL. Wind blows highest at the top of the mountain, right? No one cares about the shitty players. We talk about the good ones. You think the Bills are about to make a run? Looked really good in Philly. And do you think Jordan Love is showing franchise quarterback potential? I do think the Bills, if we look at their schedule, still pretty hard. They play the Chiefs this week. Then I think they play the Cowboys. Let me just let me just pull up their schedule really quick. So here's what the Bills got. They're six and six. They play at Kansas City Sunday. That's obviously not an easy game given the Chiefs are coming off a loss. Then they play the Cowboys. Then they go to LA and play the Chargers, which is just always going to be a weird game. It'll be a home game, but that's a long travel. Then they play the Patriots, and then they finish at the Dolphins. So if they could win three games, they will be 9-7, and and that probably would get them in. So could they beat the Chargers, Patriots, and the Dolphins? Yes. But if they win two or three of those, could they split one of the next two games? So if they're 7-7 and going into the Chargers, Patriots, and Dolphins, I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, They they obviously just got to find – I mean, obviously beating the Chiefs would be a huge, huge win. But these next two weeks at Kansas City – that place is going to be bananas. They're coming off a loss. Andy's going to try, you know, desperately to get them back on track. He's going to, that'll be a kitchen sink game for Kansas City. And then Dallas, like if they were to beat the Eagles, that game would be huge. So it's just, they dug themselves such a hole. To me, if they were seven and five right now, they would be like, you'd be fine. But their margin for error is so slim. Big fan of the pod. If you were the Patriots, what would you do going forward with such a high draft pick? Uh, pick what you hope is a generational talent at quarterback or build your roster like San Francisco and then find someone who can execute and distribute the ball. Seems to be everyone still thinks getting a top quarterback solves all your problems. But look at the Chargers and bills. They have top-tier quarterbacks but still are a long shot to make the playoffs. Yeah, I I think it's hard, right? You can't... Purdy's an anomaly. Like, Dak Prescott's an anomaly. Finding Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. You you can't bank on finding a quarterback in the mid-rounds. You can't. It's very, very difficult, right? Most times when you draft a guy, that guy is going to be average, right? Even if Sam Howell, Sam Howell might be decent. I actually think when you watch him, you go, he definitely doesn't suck. But is he a ten-year starter on good teams? Probably not. He's more likely to be like a high-end backup, would be my educated guess. And he was a highly touted guy who kind of fell in the draft because he had a rough senior year. It's hard. Not a soul saw this Brock Purdy thing come. Right? No one thought Kirk Cousins was going to become a like legitimate every-year pro bowler. So it's if you think the quarterback has a chance to be really good, you just have to take him. You don't have a choice. 49ers didn't build up their roster and then found Purdy. right? They got lucky Belichick traded him Jimmy Garoppolo in year one. So they just had a quarterback, and then they used all these other picks on players. So And then they tried to do Trey Lance. So it's I, I wouldn't say the 49ers' path to building this great roster. I mean, they landed Trent Williams because Trent Williams would only go play for Kyle Shanahan. They tried to trade in the Minnesota Vikings for a better pick. Trent Williams said, I'm going to stay retired. <laughs> so it's like, you know, part, there's some luck involved sometimes in life. And the 49ers definitely had some luck involved with their roster. And this, do you think the way Brock Purdy has changed the way scouts view quarterbacks? I, I really don't. I, I think every quarterback's an individual entity, right? I, I think we start overdrafting small guys. You know, I, I don't think Bryce Young before a couple years ago would have ever would have been a first round pick five, nine, a buck, 75 buck, 80 first overall pick in a league full of massive human beings who can run like fucking deers and hit harder than uh, the rock and stone cold. What are we talking about? And a couple little quarterbacks kind of hit and Russell Wilson happened and Kyler kind of happened. And you know, you kind of talked yourself into it. And then you watch CJ strategy. Like, wait, they took that little guy over that guy. Even the Anthony Richardson games before he, Broke a shoulder, like Jesus, this guy's a freak. So I, I think you got to be very careful about one individual changing it. Brock Purdy might just be an outlier, and usually they are. I just wanted to see what you think about teams, in this case, my Titans, calling their more aggressive plays that work only at the end of the game. I'd be lying if I watched any of that game. So every game Will has played, they only let him really cook on the last drive. It's cost us nearly every game since he started. What do you think is going on in the play caller's head when they choose to call a very conservative game? As fans, it makes zero sense for us to, on Thursday night football, run the ball three times on the other team's 40-yard line with less than 40 minutes to go needing a touchdown, only to let him throw it on fourth down and get Burks knocked out on the way down from a deep throw. In my opinion, you always have to open the playbook to win, even for a rookie. By the way, Tim Kelly let Big Jeff have a passing touchdown when we were down 20-plus in the fourth? Why wouldn't you save that play for a time we need it? It's a hell of a question, man. I I think sometimes, one, like you said, you, you don't have a choice, so you just call pass plays. I think coaches are so hesitant when they don't think a guy is capable to call a play they would normally call when they think they have a capable guy. But you never know if the guy's capable until you let him do it. And then sometimes at the end of the game, they start playing pre defense and you kind of just, it's kind of hollow yards. But I, I, I haven't watched that much Titan football lately, so it's hard for me to specifically talk about the instances you're talking about. But I think sometimes coaches can be stubborn. I think I think sometimes coaches, you know, it's an old school organization. You know, one thing I've always heard about Vrabel is he's, I don't want to say that he's in the game plan meetings with the offense, but he, he leans running the ball. He's an old-school throwback, so I I think he plays a role in it. Uh, It's easy to say we're throwing here when we're down two scores and there's six minutes left in the game. You don't have a choice, but I think that's an underrated part about coaches that or coordinators that are working for a conservative head coach, the influence that guy has on them during the game. Why did you transition from scout to radio? When and what time frame? How did you go about it? New people start without a job. Honestly, good word. Well, I got fired when Chip Kelly came in. My buddy Guy Haberman had a radio show in the Bay Area. I was living in the Bay Area because I was scouting the West Coast. I started going on his show. And then it just kind of organically took off. And we got a radio show probably six months later. And then from there, we had that show for about three years. And we had management change. And the guy that originally hired me liked me because I would say whatever. I would just I didn't care. I wasn't worried about hurting people's feelings, talking about, you know, the teams we were covering. And we had the Raiders. And uh I started being pretty involved with the Raiders, doing their post-game show and being around them a lot at training camp. And it, you know, when you're covering a team that's not very good, you're not always gonna be positive and you're gonna piss them off, and then they wanted me gone. And they put one of their employees in my time slot. So they kind of forced me out. And it's led to podcasting. That that was like 2014 to 16. And then I've been in the podcasting world since the fall of 2016 till now. And it's, you know, I I really benefited from radio. I would say it really kind of started at least where I was. I mean, still big in New York and some cities in national radio, like Colin and stuff. But local radio in the Bay Area is dead. People don't listen. Which, think about it like this. In 2023, there has been probably close to 15 years worth of cars that are Bluetooth available. So if you have a newer car in the last 10 years, you don't go to the radio anymore. You connect to your phone. So the advantage that we have as podcasters, as streamers, is massive. And the advantage that they always had, that when you were in the car, you only had the choice of listening to the radio, is no longer the case. They're done. And the way that they valued the listener in the sense of the way they equated ratings was, it's too long to explain, but was just such a fugazi. And I know everyone that's listening to the individual and uh, by the hour. So our technological advances is not really a fair fight. So I I benefit a lot from being forced into this. I mean, I I was fired twice by the time I was 31 years old and I, I wouldn't, you know. I say it all the time. Like a lot of people that grow up like me, people that got fired was because they're lazy or shitty at their job. You work in certain industries. It's just, you know, you n- you never know. And that's it was an incredible life lesson for me, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me, forcing me into the podcast world. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful and, and lucky. I mean, there was that there was there was luck in the way this all worked out, uh, based on the circumstances that happened to me. I grew up in your local area and was an avid Niner and Redskins fan in the 80s and 90s since both were always on TV. I still hold a place in my heart for D.C., that team, but it's an abject failure since the Kent-Cook family passed in the late 90s. With the team in what seems to be tank mode and Howell seemingly throwing a pick-six a game, now do you think they'll draft a quarterback? They're just getting worse by the week. They quit last week for sure. I mean, last week they got they got clowned and Rivera's nice guy, but he's not a very good coach. He's it's over. I I think before we get into what's going to happen next year, who's going to be their coach when you're going to fire everybody. And that's, what's going to happen there. You you have to have an administration to kind of get some idea. Cause if I tell you Belichick's the coach, I could see him not drafting a quarterback. If I tell you Ben Johnson or some young offensive coordinator, then yeah, I, I could see them wanting their own guy. So I I think until or Harbaugh I, until we know who their coach is, it's really really hard to even guess what the hell they're going to do. Like to me, that's the only question in Washington that matters. When they fire Ron Rivera, who are they going to hire? And I saw Albert Breer in his mailbag. You know, a lot of people are trying to connect Belichick going there. Which who knows? I mean, there's a lot of variables at play, but that's going to be a guy that we're going to talk a lot about. And if he goes there, I could see him like I, I think I could win ten games with Sam Howell play defense. Add some other players. Maybe draft Marvin Harrison to go with McLaurin. Maybe draft someone else. I I don't know. So I, I would say everything would be on the table if if Belichick's their coach. Younger coach usually would probably draft a quarterback. Maybe the owner will draft a quarterback. I don't know. But I, I think until you know Rivera's fired and they hire somebody, it's just it's wasted time to speculate. Right? We do it a lot in the draft. Like who's going to draft who in like February and then free agency happens. And then you sign players like, well, they're not drafting that position anymore. So it's the same thing with a coach until you know the coach. Then you can kind of get some idea of what potentially they will or will not do. Really love the content of your pod. I listened to the acquired podcast. You recommended it and loved it. I know this isn't a football question, but wondering if you have any other businesses or life inspiration podcast you listen to and if you'd want to share on the podcast my finance podcasts are animal spirits and the compound they're all they're all kind of under the josh brown umbrella i listen to all their finance stuff uh on the tape is a couple other guys that you see on cnbc sometimes that's uh not bad dan nathan is his name pretty good finance. they have a lot of like finance guests on there is one i listen to and a lot of golf podcasts acquired the all-in podcast but that's kind of a combination of, like, tech, politics, a little bit of most Like, pure finance stuff would be the Compound Guys, Animal Spirits, and the uh, On the Tape podcast would be the ones I listen to. As a lifelong Steelers fan, I think Tomlin has got to go. No Super Bowl with Prime Ben, Le'Veon, and Antonio Brown. Their year was the year that Le'Veon got hurt against the Patriots. I I thought that was... They were the best team. And I think, if I remember correctly, that was the year Chase Ear got hurt, who... (laughs) I don't know if you've seen Shazier, man. Dude's going through some shit with his wife. Uh, sure, there was no horses in the defense, but that uh, side of the ball has got to get it together. His teams consistently play down to opponents, and our offense hires have been nothing but misses. Yeah, man, I that game against Arizona was a fucking embarrassment. Y- you cannot, I don't care if seven tropical storms, a hurricane, and a tornado come through and the game takes seven days to complete, you cannot lose to Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals, even once Kenny Pickett getting knocked out. You gotta win that game. That's unacceptable. Like those are the type of losses that are fireball offenses. They, they, they really are. Uh, th- that loss, I thought this a couple weeks ago when they were potentially gonna lose to DTR. Or no, Jake Browning. I just <laughs> I think he's kind of run its course. I think he's a good example of like, maybe it's just time. Maybe it's just time. Now the problem with maybe it's just time, like who would you hire? But it does feel like, has it just kind of run its course? I love Mike Thomas. Someone, people will be lined up to hire him, but it does feel like it's kind of over. It, it really does. And uh, like, there's a difference of firing a guy because he's not good at what he does. Brandon Staley, Ron Rivera, and just like, we need a change. Andy Reid, Philadelphia. How'd that work out? Worked out for everybody. Andy went to Kansas City, became a legend. The Chiefs hired Doug, won a Super Bowl. It's sometimes you just need a change. It's just time, and that's I, I feel Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are a little similar. It's different because Andy, I think, went four and twelve his last year. This Steeler team, at worst, going to go like ten and seven, but they're not going anywhere. I, I just, I sometimes you just know when you see it, like it's over. Like, Belichick, the Patriots, it's over. Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, it's not over in the sense like they could just keep doing this over and over and over again, but isn't it time just maybe to throw a different pitch? Isn't it time, like, are you really just want to hold yourself? Well, if you only had three coaches in 75 years, well, who cares? You know, it's it's cool if you're going to the AFC Championship every year, but not if you you know, are struggling to get to 10 wins and can't score 20 points a game. What's, what's the point of all this? And uh, that, that would be my take on Tom. He would get another job faster than you could blink, but it, it kind of feels like it's run its course.
1: The Volume.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.